0: So we're here in the last of our studies on End Times Eschatology, and today we're thinking about the Great White Throne Judgment, where everyone who has rejected Christ as Savior um, hasn't accepted Christ to be their Lord of their life, and perhaps doesn't believe in God. Um, has rejected who God is all, all those things that the unbeliever the Christ rejector, they will stand before God in this judgment called the great white throne judgment And here <clears throat> it'll be in God's courtroom as it were he's the judge and what he says is final definitive that's the that's, that's it the sentence is passed never to be um, overturned in any way whatsoever so this judgment the great white Throne judgment is the judgment of all unbelievers everyone who has rejected Christ everyone who doesn't believe for whatever reason, in whatever capacity, those people are outside of Christ, and therefore they're lost, sadly, tragically. But we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. And let's read about it in uh, Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. Let me read it to you. Uh, John uh, records here. He says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. So that's where this term comes from. Uh, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they find no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and and the grave, or Hades, gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life Was thrown into the lake of fire. So it's a pretty daunting, a pretty harsh recording, but it's part of God's word uh, that God wants us to be aware of. And something very unique and unusual about this judgment is that it seems to take place. Um, Outside of the Earth's atmosphere, if you want, and probably possibly in some sort of other universe type thing or whatever. We read in verse 11 that earth and heaven uh, fled away, that they'd gone, that they fled the scene, escaped and In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus promised that heaven and earth will pass away. This seems to be that, that potentially that time. And we also know from verse 11 that there's a seat. And uh, at this great, there's a seat of this great white throne, and we need to discover who's sitting in that seat. Mark Hitchcock provides this observation for us right here. Here's what Hitchcock says. Every person must sometime wonder sometime during his or her life, what it will be like uh, to see the supreme court of the universe, to see the ancient of death sitting on his great white throne. God's throne is called Great mega in Greek. We know what mega means. It's incredible, it's above all other things, because this is the highest throne in the universe. It's called white because it's absolutely pure, he records. It's holy and it's righteous. All of the verdicts and the down from this throne are, are perfectly right, just and true. This is God's judgment and it's completely true in every way. This is God's courtroom, God's throne of justice. It is the Supreme Court of heaven and earth suggests. Uh, Hitchcock. So in God's courtroom, things are done God's way. He's the judge. You don't argue, you don't debate, he's the judge. And as the judge takes a seat, you can recognize him to be none other than one that you're familiar with because this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know from John 522 that God has entrusted all judgment of mankind, all judgment of everything to Jesus. And because Christ has done everything possible to provide salvation for man, Jesus is fully qualified, completely qualified. The only one in the universe qualified to serve as the judge over man who has rejected him. Now, imagine mankind standing there face to face, eyeball to eyeball with the one that they've rejected. They said, you weren't good enough. You're not what we were looking for. We didn't want you to be our redeemer. You, you, but now he's their judge. We didn't want you a savior, but now he's their judge. And so the, defendant, uh, the, defendant in this, the defendants in this courtroom, uh, courtroom judgment are mentioned in verse 12 Um, and so we get a picture of who they are they're referred to as being the dead the great and small these are all the unbelievers throughout history and now they stand before the throne awaiting their judgment see absolutely no one in all of history will escape this judgment all these unbelievers are going to face this judgment and on that day I want to tell you on that day if you find yourself standing in front of of Jesus because of your rejection of him it isn't going to matter what type of lawyer or barrister that you have representing you and pleading your, your innocence. You'll be judged and you will be pronounced guilty. Now, back in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, Jesus gave this warning to, to people everywhere, people in every circumstance and walk of life. Um, you see, the religious people who stand before the great, great white throne, they're going to be shocked to, to hear their judgments. They're going to be astonished. You mean you're judging me? But Jesus has given them fair warning in these words in Matthew 7, 22 and 23. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We, we prophesied, we made statements in your name. We, we, we wanted to honor you. We cast out demons in your name. We, we use your authority and we cast demons out of people. We did those things. We've done many wonders in your name, done amazing, incredible things that astonished people and were for the benefit of mankind. But Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Uh, but, but but Jesus, I was a leader in the church. But, but, but Jesus, I was a deacon. I was an elder. I, I was a, I was a preacher. I was a pastor. I was a minister. It doesn't matter what you were. It's this relationship with Christ that is the, the, the sort of cementing issue right here. So w- w- if you're in a church that that isn't preaching this truth, you need to get to one that is wanting to preach this truth. You see, these words shatter the popular opinion that believing in your own personal truth makes it true for you. So I believe this. That doesn't matter what you believe. We've got to go by the word of God, what the Bible says. And even when I disagree with the Bible, the Bible rules and the Bible has authority over my, my view. The Bible makes it clear that there's only one truth and that truth is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So your only choice is Christ, except Christ, follow his ways, submit to him fully and walk with him, love him, follow him and fall deeper and deeper in love with him or else eternal death. That's where this goes to. And on that day before Jesus, <clears throat> celebrity status, your wealth, your profession, your, your your talent, your circumstance in life, none of that will mean anything because Jesus is no respecter of persons. And we love that about Jesus, that he treats everybody fairly and correctly and honorably. And, and he you treat these people the same way, according to how they've treated him and what they've done with his sacrifice for them. So he will judge every person fairly. He'll judge every person individually. And all who are judged here are dead spiritually, lost in that sense. Now, at this great white throne judgment, all the deeds of the unseated will be exposed this is because throughout history, the sins of man have been recorded and kept in books. We read about it in verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, says John, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. <clears throat> the books referred to in this verse uh, record a detailed account of every action, every activity, ever committed by every person here on this earth, and every sin will be expressed or exposed in that sense, so proving that individual, proving to that individual why they have failed to qualify to enter into heaven. You, you, there's no reason to let that person into heaven. But in our text, John also refers to the book of life. Now, the book of life is referred to in several scriptures in, in the Old Testament as well. Um, Exodus 32, uh, 32 and 30. 32, 32, 33, reads like this. Whoever sinned against me, I will erase from my book. So these people who sinned against me, I will erase them from my book. And then referring to the unrighteous, uh, the Samus strikes in 69, 28, let them be erased, let them be removed from the book of life. And over in Philippians 4, verse 3, Paul mentions uh, those who are working with him for the gospel, whose names are in the book of life. Their, their names are written in this book of life. So it was a practice of, Uh, first century cities to keep a record of the names of everyone within their city. They wanted to know who lived there and who was part of their community. So these records were kept as books. uh, And anyone who committed a crime along the way uh, by which um, death or exile was merited, they would have their name removed, erased from that book, belonging to that community, belonging to that city. So it is that, that in God's register of humankind, in God's book of life, Every name is recorded, but God can also remove names for what he, the judge, deems a suitable cause. So every person's name seems to be in that, those books, and then when they reject Christ, their name is removed. When they say no to Jesus, their name is removed. When they mock Jesus, their name is removed. So, so they, these are serious things. That are, that are sitting right here for us. And after this, we read then in verse 13, we read of the, the sea and death and Hades or the grave, giving up their dead to be judged. And this is all of the unrighteous dead throughout the history of the world. They're going to be resurrected to appear at the great white throne judgment. So there's going to be billions of people right here standing to be judged because they have rejected God, his truth, and his ways, as irrespective of where their life was going. And after consulting the books and the book of life, Jesus will pronounce his judgment on every individual, which will be a a verdict in this case in the great white throne judgment of guilty. And from here, he will will hand every person their sentence, their guilty, and then they will get their eternal sentence. So we read their sentence in verses 14 and 15. Uh, Let me read it to you. Then death and Hades, or death in the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Uh, John calls this sentence the second death. This is the eternal death where man will suffer in the lake of fire and and hell itself for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. There's no escaping it. And these condemned souls have already died once in the physical death, but now they, they die the second time to eternal separation from God so that they've died so if you die in Christ of course you have great hope you're going to be resurrected to him if you die without without Jesus then you're waiting on this judgment being resurrected to this judgment which is your eternal separation from God and it seems that at the pronouncing of their eternal sentence the unrighteous are immediately taken to the place of their eternal confinement That's where they belong. That's what's set for them now. We need to remember here that this sentence is in no way unjust. It's in no way unfair. These people have, for whatever reason, uh, consciously rejected God's gracious offer of salvation through his Son, the Judge Jesus Christ. And so they, they want this. all mankind, irrespective of what they've heard, haven't heard, but they've chosen to reject Jesus, then they're in this category. Now, this is an incredible, sobering picture of things to come, and we live in a day when the mention of hell, for example, in a message or a sermon is almost considered to be unnecessary, even, even off-putting, or most definitely offensive. We continually hear of preachers presenting hell as being non-literal and therefore becoming removed from the message of the Bible, and most certainly removed from the message of the pulpit. We've become far removed from the people of New England in 1741 as they they, they sat in their worship service listening to Jonathan Edwards preach his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, which is an incredible title, an explanatory title on its own. And as he preached, people people who were there to hear the sermon testified that they, they could feel the flames of hell licking against them in the pews where they sat. Such was the, the picture he was painting. The people were grasping, this is real. Hell is real. This is troubling. This is tormenting. This is serious. You see, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, john gives a list of those who will end up in hell he actually says these are the people who are destined for hell let me read it to you he refers to the cowardly unbelieving abominable murderers sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, according to the record John was given. So these people are destined for hell. Now, surprisingly, listed among those going to hell are the the unbelievers. I mean, they're, they're nice people quite often. They're not guilt, they don't seem to be guilty of all of the other horrible acts, but they're included right here because every unbeliever is someone who is chosen to reject God and and, and, and reject his truth, being Jesus, and that truth is what can set them free. So we're consciously chosen. We don't want God. We want to know God. We want to go our own way, do our own thing, live our own life. So with all of that backdrop, let's attempt to be bold enough and strong enough and brave enough to have a look at hell itself. And from this, I hope we're stirred by the Spirit of God to tell and to declare the whole truth to our fellow man, to those around us who are without Christ. We need to tell the truth, not, not our opinion of it, but tell God's truth, um, the seriousness of it, so people are prepared for what they will face in the future, or else they can turn to Christ, and that's our great hope, of course, in all of this. So people in hell, it seems, will remember life. They'll have memories, all of which will add to their emotional, um, experiential, eternal torture. Remember in Luke chapter 16, the rich man had concern for his five brothers who were still living. He didn't want them to suffer as he was suffering. So he made it makes of can, can you help them? Father Abraham, can you help them? He doesn't want them to experience what, what he's suffering. So he had a memory. He was able to remember life. He was able to experience and understand the difference of what he now faces to what they're enjoying. Man's destiny is either heaven or hell. There's only the two options. See, Jesus describes such destiny with these words in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Enter through the narrow gates, and this is what leads into life. For the, the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. So the majority of people walk in this broad road that's leading to destruction, that's leading right to hell. How he continues there in verse 14. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So not everybody finds this road, but you've, you've found it in Christ. If you know Christ, then you're on that road. But I want to tell you something about that road. It's a difficult road. You'll today telling you that this road is easy, that God's got the very best for you. He, he wants to make your life just wonderful right here, right now. But Jesus says this road is going to be difficult. That leads to life. We can expect difficulty, trauma, problems, challenges, all sorts of issues as we head to life in Jesus. But we're convinced this is the right way to go. So be thankful that God graciously has chosen to enlighten you that you may walk the narrow road to life. He's chosen you for that reason to bring glory to Himself. So He says, Live for me, honor me, glorify me as you journey on this road. Hell is going to be a place of conscious torment. Jesus has warned us with these words in Matthew 13 uh, 41 and 42. <clears throat> the Son of Man will send His angels. And they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. We're going to remove those people. And the angels will throw those people into the fiery furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you catch that the angelic beings are throwing these people into the lake of fire, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and this torment uh, continues. Remember the rich man again in, in Luke 16. He cries out that he's, he's in agony in, in this flame and this fire. <clears throat> Excuse me, he's suffering right there. He says, "I'm really suffering an agony in this. I'm from such agony. There's never going to be any break or holiday or day off or weekend away. It's eternal and it's non-stop." But Jesus says, "You can avoid it by coming to Him today." Hell is just. There's not going to be anyone in hell who doesn't deserve to be there. Now that's a pretty bro- pretty sort of uh, tough statement that all in hell deserve to be in hell. I mean, none of us deserve to be in heaven. That's only by the grace of God we're going there. But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, because of your heart, and speaking to these un- unsaved people, <clears throat> because of your hardened and an unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. And then he says, he will repay this. God will repay each one according to his works. So what they've done with life, how they've lived, they've functioned, how they've handled God, how they've determined Jesus, how they've treated his word and so on. That's all part of their works and that's what they're being judged on and they fall short. Uh, they're guilty of sin and they'll be cast into hell. And it's a just reward for all such people. <clears throat> Everyone in hell has earned earned that position if you want earned the right to be there tragically as that may be romans 6 23 claims the wages of sin is death and this is eternal death so how you've lived your life you're now receiving the punishment you're receiving the reward for the lifestyle that you've chosen to live and we're not talking about religious lifestyle against any other lifestyle here we're talking about spiritual aspects of believing god believing his word accepting christ to be your savior walking with him following him believing his truth and living in that uh, not putting on religious garb and following that that's those people are going to stand there too <clears throat> so while god graciously grants us time which he's graciously given to us let us tell others about our, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Friend, who's, who's preparing for us an amazing residence in heaven itself, as He waits on us, um, and as, as He waits on us, the, the Bride, and we, the Bride, the future Bride, are waiting on our Bridegroom to come and take us and be with Him. So we're excited about our future in heaven, our eternal uh, prospects of what He's building for us, the redeemed. But the question I want to leave all of you at the end and the conclusion of this series is simply this. As we wrap up, I want to ask you a very serious question. We mentioned the book of life, and the names written in the book of life may belong to Jesus. They're not going to be at this judgment, but all names who are now whose names are not in that book, they're going to be at this judgment. So I need to ask you, is your name in the book of life, is your name secured there? Is your name definitely there? And how you know your name is there? Do you know your name is there? Because Jesus has redeemed you, forgiven you, saved you from sin, dwelt you by God, the Holy Spirit, and has put you in a course of living this life, this one life for his honor, for his glory, for his majesty, for his name. If that's you, then you need to live that way. Um, others will hear a message such as this and brush it off and say, I don't, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm just living my life. And those people will continue to walk on a pathway that leads to hell, death, and destruction. And that's where they're going to be. So I want you to make sure your name is in the book of life. You see, that's the deciding factor as to whether you'll be judged at God's great white throne or not. So if you know Jesus today, if you're part of his church because of his redemption of your soul, because of his forgiveness of your sin, because of his washing you clean by his own precious blood and forgetting your sin and removing it as far as the east is from the west and making you part of God's family and putting you in right standing with God, if that's you today, then you will not experience this this devastating judgment. But if you don't know Jesus, then I need to tell you, you will face this judgment and you will be pronounced guilty by the truthful judge of all things the creator of all things, the sovereign of the universe, who hung on that cross to redeem your soul. And now you look in his eyes and you say, "I I need you to forgive me now. And he says, it's too late. I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me. And you're lost for eternity. Pretty serious picture, pretty devastating picture. So as we wrap this series up, I want you to be prepared and aware. Get right with God. Make sure you're living for. Him. Make sure you're honoring him. Make sure you're walking with him and following him, because he alone is worthy and worth all of it. Be blessed as you take up these challenges. Be blessed as we move into uh, a new little brief series, as we have a few glances about heaven and the heavenly home of all who do believe. So we'll be doing that the next few weeks. But take this on board. Make sure you're right with God and live for His honor and for His glory. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. For your faithfulness and listening. And. Um, Encourage others by giving them them access to this message as well. This is a message I really believe people need to hear because this is an eternal uh, destiny issue. So do with it what you will, but glorify him as you live for him. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Stay blessed and stay close to him. And make sure your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thanks.